Well, we have come to the end of this book, as I just said. Uh, we have just heard uh, the very last words uh, of the book of Revelation and really uh, of the book of the Bible. Last words are not a time to introduce new characters or new ideas or themes. This really is an opportunity to kind of go over with a highlighter what has already been said. Uh, to highlight what is most essential uh, and what is most important. And in the Revelation, that's exactly what Jesus, uh, communicating to John, has done. He's emphasizing what is most important. As we close this book, there are three words that I want ringing in your ears. I, I believe three words that Jesus wants really ringing in your ears. It is to worship, to watch, and to wait. To worship, watch, and wait. Because it's an echo. Let's just do it one more time. Worship, watch, and wait. You got it. <laughs> worship God, we see in verse 9. Worship is a key theme uh, of this entire book. The word is repeated more than 20 times in the Revelation and is now repeated and actually commanded here at the very end. To worship something is to bow down and to revere. It, it, to worship something means to orient your life around this thing or this one. The question is not, do you worship something or someone? The question is, what do you worship? Because every single one of us has something at the center of our lives. There is something that you are basing your life on and around. Now, what is at the center of your life? Who or what do you worship? Is it your grades? Is it your looks? Is it happiness? Money? Sex? Power? Freedom? Is it having lots of stuff? Is it having the most likes on social media? Is it having mom and dad's approval? What are you centering your life on? Who or what are you worshiping? Here at the end of the Revelation and at the end of the Bible, we are reminded that above all else, we are to worship God. Now, when we hear this word worship, most people think singing. Right? Worship equals singing songs to Jesus. It's something that I do on church at Sundays, maybe here on Wednesday nights. Right? Worship God equals something I do maybe for an hour each week in these very special sort of set apart places. But that is a very narrow definition and understanding of worship. I mean, sure, worship includes singing songs to Jesus like we have just done, but it's so much more than that. Right? It's a silly illustration, but you can think of it this way, right? Bridgerton is a show on Netflix. It's just not the only show right, on Netflix, despite how you might feel about it. I mean, it's good, but it's not the only show, right? Netflix is way bigger than that, and so must be a biblical understanding of worship. It's more than just singing songs to Jesus a couple of times. It means making Jesus the center of your life all the time and everywhere. Jesus says in verse 13, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is saying that I should come first in your life and not just because I'm before all things. 
I mean, that would be justification enough, right, to worship him. The fact that everything exists because of him, the fact that you are here, right, because of him, the fact that there's breath in your lungs, right, because of him, like, that would be sufficient. But Jesus is saying more than that. The word that gets translated beginning is the Greek word arche, which is where we get the word architecture and archetype. And what Jesus is saying here is that he is the pattern, the blueprint, the model for a life well lived, a fully human life, life the way it is meant to be, full of goodness and beauty and truth, of faith and hope and love, of justice and mercy and compassion. Pattern your life on mine, Jesus says, and you will discover the good life. What you were really made for. And as a second century theologian has put it, there is nothing more glorifying to God than that. Right? Your life lived fully well, right, in the image of God. Not only is Jesus the pattern for a life well lived, he's also the end. He's the destination, the goal of all things. Right? Everything that exists in the new heavens and new earth will be there because of him. He is in more ways than one, both the beginning and the end. And this is why Jesus can say without blushing, worship me. And not just on Sundays, but on Monday through Saturday too. And not just in this building like Fleming 101, but out there. Worship me out there in your dorm room. Make me the center, right, in the classroom, in your boyfriend's house, at your girlfriend's house, in your parents' house, wherever you're going this summer, wherever you may be, right? Let me call the shots then and there, too. In so many words, at the end of the revelation, Jesus is, is claiming fivesies on the throne that is at the center of your life. I belong there, he says, not you, not your parents, not fame, success success or riches right but me right i'm the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end every square inch of creation belongs to me every part of your life jesus says i have a right to speak into if you want to think of your life as a house i think so often we're we're okay with jesus sort of stepping in the front door and sort of hanging out in the lobby and maybe kicking it with us in the kitchen when we say grace. But we want to cordon him off from the bedroom. We don't want him going there, saying anything about our life there. We don't want him in the office where we're doing our work, right? For him to say anything about how we're supposed to do that. We don't want him in the living room where we are relating with our friends. We certainly don't want him in the closets where we keep all of our skeletons, right? We're like, cool, come in, but... Just stay in your place. And Jesus says, I don't want that. I'm the, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. I, I have access to it all. I have access to it all. Every moment is holy, and every space is too. There's no sacred world over here and some secular world over there. All of it, Jesus says, all of it is mine. And all of you belongs to me. I am Lord of all, and I am Lord all the time. Put it to you this way. Jesus doesn't want to be a book on your shelf. He says, make me the shelf that holds all of your books.
I don't want to be a part of your life. I want to be the one who makes sense of all the parts. Right? The one who brings it all together in a unified whole. And in order for that to happen, you've got to make him the center. Because anything else in the center is going to collapse on itself or spiral it out of control. Jesus alone has the right to be there, and he alone is worthy. And that is what worship really is all about. It's about worship, and Jesus is worth it. The Revelation, the Bible, ends with this note uh, of worship. But that's not all. Three times we hear Jesus echo, Behold, I'm coming soon. Verse 7. Behold, I'm coming soon. Verse 12. And then surely, I am coming soon. Verse 20. Worship. Watch. Behold. It's a word that means like pay attention. Watch. Listen closely. Why? Because Jesus is moving towards you. He's breaking in and he's bringing with him the kingdom of God. Behold, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. It's closer than you think. It's not just this far off thing. It's here in your midst. Can you see it? Right? Can you hear it? I'm reminded of the Chronicles of Narnia, right? the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. When the children pass through the wardrobe, they step into a world that's covered in snow and is under the spell of the white witch, where we're told it's always winter but never Christmas. However, there's a rumor going around that Aslan, the great lion, is on the move. And well before the children they, they lay eyes on him, they see signs of his drawing near. The snow begins to melt, and birdsong fills the air. Evidence proves, right, that the spell is being broken. A, a few weeks ago, I recently planted grass seed in the yard behind our house. And for a few weeks, there was nothing. Like, there was no sign of grass seed, like, being in the field. Just because we couldn't see it didn't mean it wasn't there. After a little while, like little shoots, like little blades began to break through the earth. Right? Uh, you just had to wait for it. And you just had to watch for it. Jesus came, right? And, and when he did, he sowed good gospel seed. Uh, he scattered it all over. And that seed is here. It's in our midst. And it is taking root and it is growing. It's hard to see sometimes at first, but just because we can't see it right away doesn't mean that it's not there, that it doesn't exist. Why is it so important for us to notice these first signs of spring, if you want to think of it that way? Well, for me, it comes down to hope. Where there is no hope, people perish. Countless studies have shown the, the importance of hope. With hope... We can endure great suffering and hardship, but without it, we will wither up and die. Now, hope is not delusional or wishful thinking. 
true hope, right, is rooted in reality. It's based on evidences. But you need to know where to look. You need to know how to listen. I've yet to meet a person who looks at the world and says that everything is awesome. But I know plenty of people who look at it and they see nothing but death and destruction and despair. People who feel this way are not poor people per se. A lot of them are actually, by the world standards, wealthy. They have a lot of things, just nothing to live for. Is the world truly a terrible place, empty of meaning and purpose? No, it's not. It's just that these folks have lost hope. When I think of them, I'm reminded of a song that I heard in 2007 as I was driving cross country. Cross country. It's a song by the block party. It's called Song for Clay, and it starts this way. It says, I'm trying to be heroic in an age of modernity. I'm trying to be heroic because all around me, history sinks. So I enjoyed and I devoured flesh and wine and luxury. But in my heart, I am lukewarm. Nothing ever really touches me. Have you all seen uh, videos on YouTube where the person who has been colorblind their whole life is finally given glasses that enable them to see life like in true, rich, high definition, like sort of technicolor? Like they're pretty awesome videos. I think in some respects, the revelation is that. Like Jesus is giving us some glasses that enable us to see what has always been there, but we've just failed to apprehend, that we've failed to take in. He wants to put glasses on you, not so you can see something that isn't there, but that is there, but you've missed it. He wants you to see this beautiful but broken world, and he wants you to see it being redeemed, to see it renewed, that Jesus is coming soon, and that his kingdom is breaking in even now. Wants you to watch. Wants you to live awake. It's hard to see with our eyes glued to our devices. It is hard to hear when we have our headphones always on. It is hard to pay attention when we are distracting ourselves to death. Right, filling every minute with noise and Candy Crush and Snapchat and scrolling through Insta. Right, more and more, we are finding ourselves in a world of our own making. Concrete under our feet and city lights obscuring the sky. And in this kind of space, the world feels tighter and tighter. Kind of like Willa hiding under her covers, right under the blankets. Hard to breathe the darkness closing in. And Revelation is a pulling back the curtain. It is a pulling off the covers so that we can see and hear and feel again. Watch. Listen. Listening really is just watching with your ears and not just with your eyes, right? But watch where and how. That's a whole other sermon, I suppose. But here's a quick list. If you want to see where God is at work, 
If you want to hear his voice, practice Sabbath. Right? Get outside and get offline. You need to step away from rhythms and technology that tell you you're the only thing that matters, that it's all about you. You need to step away from that, at least once a week. You need to get low. You need to move towards the broken and the needy. Because you are too. You will find God amongst the brokenhearted and the contrite of heart. He dwells there. And you need to get connected to his word, the Bible. And you need to get connected to his church. If you want to see God at work, if you want to see uh, his kingdom breaking in, if you want to hear the sound of his voice, this is where you need to go. You need to go to these places and in ascending order. Right? So that it's going warmer and hotter to red hot. Watch and listen. Hope is coming for me. Hope is coming for you too. Worship, watch, but also wait. Why? Well, although Jesus and his kingdom are coming, Although they are breaking in, they're not here yet in their fullness. So in the meantime, in this in-between time, we've got to wait. When I hear wait, I immediately think of a waiting room at a doctor's office. Waiting in the doctor's office means sitting, doing nothing, flipping through magazines or right, scrolling through Insta, playing Candy Crush or whatever, right? That's not the kind of waiting that Jesus has in mind. The kind of waiting he's describing is more like waiting for a fancy dinner. Now, Head of the Wood is the best restaurant in Burlington. As far as I know, it might be the best restaurant in all of Vermont. And Megan and I have the chance to eat there a couple of times. Uh, we've had the chance. We, we try to get there during restaurant week, which is usually around this time of year, like once a year. Well, this summer, some friends were in town, and they made reservations at Head of the Wood. But the day of the reservation, I had a very light breakfast, uh, I was running all over town doing errands, and by the afternoon, I was starving. So I'm driving like through Essex, and I see the Golden Arches. And I'm like, that sounds really good to me right now. Like, let's go through the drive through at McDonald's, and I'm just going to get a burger, some fries, maybe a milkshake. There's like a voice in one ear just saying, do it, right? Eat, eat, eat. No one's going to know. Nobody's going to care. Just fill up and fill up now. But there's this other voice, right, saying, don't you dare do that, right? Dinner's not that far off, and we're going to Hen of the Wood. Right? Don't spoil your appetite on McDonald's. Wait, right? Don't capitulate. Don't give in to these desires. That's the kind of waiting that Jesus has in mind here. He's not saying... Wait, as in just sit there and do nothing. He's saying, I want you to wait. Because something really good is coming down the pike. And so you need to resist the urge to have to get it all now. Right? Don't spoil your appetite on all these other things, as it were. Let the reality of heaven sink in. And affect the way that you live your life today. Let the reality that there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, right? 
really sink in and let that grip you and control you. You do not need to live your best life now, stuffing your face with McDonald's, as it were, when head of the wood is on the way. You don't need to hoard wealth. Heaven is coming. You can live generously today. You don't need to live in competition with everyone. Like you can cooperate and help other people succeed. You don't need to be in the spotlight. You can shine spotlight on other people. You don't need to maximize your pleasure or live this super selfish life right now. right? Because heaven is coming. You can wait. You can make sacrifices. Friends, the best is yet to come. As you do these things, as you worship, as you watch, as you wait, you'll actually accomplish one more thing. You will be a witness. I mentioned this last because it's not so much stated in these, these last words of the Bible, but it is very much implied. If you are worshiping and watching and waiting, you will unavoidably and inescapably and automatically be bearing witness to who Jesus is and the kind of life that he brings. The Academy Awards were on Sunday. Did any of you watch it? I didn't either. <laughs> I, to be honest, most of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture or Director or whatever were movies that I, I couldn't see, right? Like, I didn't have the streaming service or whatever. So I watched trailers uh, about them on YouTube to try to get a sense of what was sort of on the dock of what, what had been nominated and what these movies were about. When you see a movie trailer, you are actually watching the movie, but not the movie in its entirety. You're seeing little snippets and sneak previews, right? Just enough of the movie to kind of get the gist. And that, in a sense, is who we are meant to be. Little movie trailers of the coming attraction. You and I are not the whole movie, but we're not nothing either. Jesus has saved us, and he's at work in our lives to make us a preview. Uh, That our lives would be a part, something borrowed or belonging to the bigger picture that's coming. Worship and watch and wait. These are the last words of the Revelation, and they are the last words of the Bible as a whole. As we worship and watch and wait, we cannot help but be Christ's witnesses. Heaven's coming attraction. A sneak peek and preview of the kind of life and love and redemption that is coming down the pike. We're not showcasing perfection, but we are showcasing God's goodness and his grace. We're showcasing that it's not perfect people who inherit the kingdom, but sinners who are saved. Showcasing that Jesus has the power to make beautiful things out of the dust. Showcasing that Jesus loves us enough to meet us where we're at and loves us enough not to leave us there. Right? That even though we're in the wilderness right now, we also have a shepherd who is guiding us home. So we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Let's pray.